Hello, 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 gluten-free community, and welcome back to episode two of the Eat Gluten-Free With Me podcast. I was so grateful for the amount of overwhelming support that I received on the first episode, and it made my heart so full and so happy, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who reached out to me. I am so grateful that I was able to provide a little bit more in-depth about my health journey and my diagnosis with celiac disease, IBS, and Crohn's disease. Um, Rather than just posting like a TikTok of it or something on my IG story, if you're not following me already on TikTok, it's at Eat Gluten Free With Me. And on IG, it's at eat.glutenfreewithme. I don't know why I always have so much difficulty saying that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so if you want to give me a follow on the socials to keep up with my daily posts, about my journey, you are welcome to do that. And I would love for you to be part of the gluten-free community. Today, I want to start from the beginning of my journey, going through what it's like to be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and how you deal with that, that diagnosis and how I dealt with that diagnosis specifically. When I first got diagnosed with celiac disease, I had no clue what the disease even was. Like when my doctor was like, oh, Lauren, you can never eat gluten again. I was like, what? what the heck is this? Like, I had never expected this in my entire life. And that's okay to not know what the diagnosis is and what it entails. It's it's something new to you. It's something that you're going to have to learn to adapt to. And the first thing I did was go to Google and go to my doctor and be like, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to live with this? Like, I don't know anyone who has this. I have no one to relate to. And that was the first um, challenge that I experienced when I first got diagnosed. Personally, I did not really grieve when I got my diagnosis because it didn't really hit me yet. I was kind of happy to have had a diagnosis because I was like, yay, I can finally eat gluten-free and then all of a sudden all my symptoms are just going to go away and life is going to be great. And sadly, that is not exactly what happened. But the first thing I want to go through is that if this is a big life change for you, because it is, it is a life change. A diagnosis is a life change. And if that is something that is really hard for you to co- like overcome, it is okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad that your life is about to change and that something dramatic just happened in your life. That is okay. And I don't think that people talk about that enough. If someone's telling you that it's not okay to grieve, then they're, they're a toxic person in your life. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to not know where to turn to. It's okay to be like, wow, I feel really lost right now. And if you're going through that, that's okay. And that's what I'm here for. The first step is to feel your emotions. If you're sad about it, cry about it. If you feel lost, talk to somebody. If you feel like, wow, this isn't that really big of a change, then that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Um, Not to be humorous here, but the first thing I did when I got diagnosed with celiac disease is I went to Munchies, which is a... Uh, frozen yogurt place and I got a frozen yogurt ice cream and I got every single gluten topping that I could think of because I was like fuck I'm never gonna be able to eat gluten again so I literally put a whole packet of Oreos on my ice cream and I went into the movie theater and I ate it and I threw up all of it and my friend was like Lauren you're so gross and I'm like bro I I just I'm never gonna be able to eat Oreos again like I had to do that And that's okay. If you want to go eat gluten for the last time, fuck it. Go do it. As long as you're not going to kill yourself doing it, it is totally okay. To just change from like suddenly going from a gluten diet to a gluten-free diet, that's a dramatic change. It's okay for you to gradually build into a gluten-free diet. It would be hard for me to say, oh, I went completely gluten-free the next day because that that was not true. This is a transition that it's not going to happen overnight. 
this is a change that is not going to happen overnight. Your diet isn't going to just change overnight. You're not going to go from eating gluten to gluten-free because you're not going to know of all the hidden sources of gluten. But also, just this new lifestyle is going to take time to transition into. Like I keep saying, it's a lifestyle change. And it's going to take time to know how to adapt to that lifestyle. And along the way, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to accidentally eat gluten because you didn't realize that toothpaste had gluten in it. Or you're going to eat imitation crab and sushi and you're going to gluten yourself. And it's okay to make those mistakes. Don't feel mad at yourself because you ate gluten on accident. Because everyone goes through that. This whole process is a learning process. It is not something that you're just expected to know how to do right away with nobody's help and guidance. You're going to need the guidance of other people. You're going to need the guidance of Google to help you figure this out and myself included. When it finally is time for you to go back to your house and try to figure out how to live this new lifestyle, I would say the first thing is to throw away any gluten that you have in your house that you might want to eat. You don't want to have any foods that are going to tempt you to want to eat gluten because overall you should not be eating gluten. If you do continue to eat gluten, it can cause like osteoporosis and it can cause your gut to be really inflamed and it's just not a great thing to do. So definitely eat gluten if you want to for the last time, but after that, you know, try to cut it out and go gluten-free. When I got home from the doctors after I got diagnosed with celiac disease, I went to my cupboards and I chose two of them And I removed all the dishes out of them and I was like, these are my cupboards now. I am putting all my gluten-free products in here and my family can't touch it. This is only my thing so that I knew that food wouldn't be contaminated and it was purely gluten-free. I also chose an area in my kitchen that was dedicated gluten-free, meaning all my utensils were in this area. I have like a utensil stand. I had my toaster in this area and my cutting board in this area because I don't want any gluten getting on any of my appliances or any of my utensils or anything like that. The next thing I did was I threw away any condiments that would have been contaminated with gluten. And you might not be aware of this, but anything that has a knife a knife stuck in it, like if you put peanut butter on bread and you touch that knife to that gluten bread, that's cross-contamination. So things like peanut butter, jam, mayo, mustard, butter in general, these are all going to be contaminated with gluten. So you want to get rid of those products or give them to your family to use up for you and then buy totally new ones that are gluten-free. There's other kitchen supplies that I personally got because I was worried about cross-contamination because my symptoms are vomiting. So when I eat gluten, I don't want to be vomiting. I don't want a chance getting cross-contaminated. So I, I went out and I bought baking sheets. I bought separate pans, which some people say you don't need, but personally, I felt more comfortable using my own pans that had no gluten in them. Cutting boards are a huge one for cross-contamination. Every time there's like a new groove made in the cutting board, that can hold gluten in it. Colanders that you put pasta in, that can hold gluten. So you want to get new ones of those. Um, I think I already said cutting boards. Spatulas. Wooden spatulas can hold a lot of gluten, so you want to get plastic ones. Um, And you need a gluten-free toaster. Because if you put gluten in a toaster, that's going to, you know, stay in that toaster and it's going to be cross-contaminating your gluten-free products. And don't feel like you have to get all this stuff right away. I didn't know all this when I first went gluten-free, so this took like probably one to two years for me to accumulate all this stuff. If you don't have the money to go out and buy your own baking sheets and cutting boards and pans and stuff like that, you know, if there's things that you run through the dishwasher very well, you should be okay. 
So once you have your kitchen set up, you have your dedicated gluten-free food area. You have your area in your kitchen where you can cook and feel like there's not any gluten contamination. And you've gotten rid of all your gluten items and your cross-contaminated gluten items. Um, It's time to go to the grocery store and get new things to eat, right? And this can be an overwhelming process because you totally are looking for different products than you probably were eating a gluten diet. So it's like, what aisles do I even go in? Like, I'm so lost and I totally understand that. And if you have someone who can go grocery shopping with you for the first time, that is also a great support to have. Usually grocery stores will have like a gluten-free aisle or a natural organic aisle. And in those aisles, you're going to find a lot of gluten-free processed products that you can get. The best areas to stick to that you know all the products are going to be gluten-free is the produce section and like a lot of meats are mostly gluten-free unless they're processed so you can try to stick to really natural things like fruit is gluten-free all veggies are gluten-free chicken's gluten-free turkey's gluten-free steak's gluten-free all of that stuff is gluten-free it's when it comes to you know processed things like chips and bread and all of that where it gets kind of iffy and you have to make sure you have the certified gluten-free labeling and if it doesn't have that you have to make sure that you look at the allergy statement it does does it contain wheat and stuff like that the process simpler there are a couple apps that you can get um the first one is called spoonful and you can actually scan your items when you create your account, it will ask you like what is your dietary restrictions and you would put in gluten-free and whatever allergies you have. And then when you scan your item, it will either come up red or um, green. And green means that it's gluten-free and safe to eat. Red means that you probably shouldn't buy this product. It's not gluten-free. And that is super helpful. It also does a low FODMAP. So you can scan your item and it will tell you if it's a low FODMAP or not. That was super helpful for me. I think the first like 50 scans are free. And then after that, it's like $3 a month. It's nothing too crazy. Another app is called Fig, and you guys have probably seen this all over TikTok. I know I have, and again, you can put in your your restrictions to allergies and gluten and all of that, and then you scan the product, and it will tell you if you can eat it or not. There's also an area, I think, on both of these apps where you can literally just scroll through different gluten-free products, and so you don't even have to scan. You can just scroll to find different products so that you're familiar with the packaging, and then when you go into the grocery store, you're able to recognize those products. Another app that I'm going to mention is called Find Me Gluten-Free, and this helps you to find gluten-free restaurants around you. So you literally just type in your location or it takes it from your location services, and then it'll bring up um, reviews of people who have been to the restaurants around you, and they can write if they're celiac or non-celiac, and they can tell you their experiences and if they had a good experience or if they got cross-contaminated. So that's a super helpful tool as well. Now I want to discuss different stores that I go to to buy gluten-free products. The first one is Trader Joe's. Um, I'm 22 years old and girl, I don't got a big budget to spend on food because gluten-free food, food is so expensive and I find that Trader Joe's is really affordable and they have so many gluten-free products and if you type in gluten-free products Trader Joe's, they actually have a list of all their gluten-free products online and that's super helpful resource. They don't have a lot of certified gluten-free products, so there's different things that I stay away from. Specifically, they're nuts. They have no gluten-free labeling on them, and nuts are something that can be easily cross-contaminated because of the processing that nuts go through. And when I first got diagnosed with celiac disease, they also, I found out that a lot of like walnuts are put, they put flour on them to, to prevent them from sticking together, which I was like, what? Like, I would never think of that. And since their walnuts don't say gluten-free, I don't even chance it because their allergen statements don't say, you know, 
wheat allergens or any of that. So I'm just like, "Mm -mm, I'm going to buy, I only buy certified gluten-free nuts, but everything else I haven't had an issue with. So Trader Joe's is a great option. Whole Foods, obviously they're known for being like organic and gluten-free. They have, you know, every product you could possibly think of. Um, I live in upstate New York. I also go to Hannaford, which I find is pretty reasonable. And we have Price Chopper or Market 32. They're a little more pricey, but they also have great gluten-free options. As I mentioned before, gluten-free groceries are really freaking expensive. So the way I try to minimize this is, one, I make a grocery list. Or before I even make the grocery list, I write out my different meals that I'm interested. Either that's through magazines or online or looking through like different people's websites or TikTok. I write down all the things that I want to make for my dinners and my lunches that week. And then from those recipes, I will make a list of the gluten-free products that I need to get at the store. And this helps to minimize, you know, buying things that you don't need or won't use. So guys, let's not hate on frozen produce because it is so much cheaper and it's so nutrient dense and it's literally so easy to cook. You know, you just throw it on your saute pan, saute it up in like three minutes and it's literally done and it's so much cheaper. So head to that frozen aisle and get your frozen veggies or your frozen fruit because let me tell you, it saves a lot of money. So basically, you know, Getting started with the celiac disease and just getting diagnosed, those are kind of my tips and tricks so far. I'm sure I could get into more detail on each one of those areas, like 10 times more, but I think that's a good place to start. I don't want to overwhelm you, especially if you are first diagnosed, you know. There's a lot of information to take in, but I think that's a great place to start. And if you do want me to go into more depth on any of these areas, please send me a DM on Instagram and I would gladly answer any questions or make a whole podcast on a specific area that you're interested in. But um, lastly, I want to close out this episode discussing a meal. And I think I'm going to start doing this on all my episodes because so many people ask me for recipes and honestly, I make recipes up in my head and I don't ever write them down. And I think it's just easier for me to talk about them because I just use whatever's in my fridge and I make it. And this is something that I make literally every single day. So here it goes. So I love kale, but I can't have it raw because raw veggies bother my stomach so much. I have a sensitive gut. All my veggies need to be cooked. So I'll take like two stalks of kale, you know, rinse it under the sink. Get all like Because kale's very dirty. It tends to hide a lot of bugs, which I've noticed before, which is kind of nasty. So you're going to wash that under cold water. And you're going to chop that kale up, and I put a little avocado oil in my saute pan. And then you're going to take half a pepper, and you're going to cut that up. And you're also going to take one carrot, like one of the really long carrots, and chop that up however way you'd like. And one tomato. Um, I would say like a medium-sized tomato. And I throw that all in a saute pan, and I'll saute that for about five minutes until all the veggies are really like not mushy, but like sauteed enough that you can tell that they're sauteed, you know? If you want to, you can go ahead and burn all them veggies, like whatever way you like to do it, just saute them up. And then I will put a protein in that. So my favorite's chicken, I'll do tempeh or tofu or whatever meat that you desire. And then I mix that all together and I will top it with sesame seeds sliced avocado and I make a tahini sauce. So my tahini sauce is one third cup of tahini, two tablespoons of lemon, um, crack some pepper into that, um, a sprinkle of salt, and then whisk that all together. 
And then if it's really thick, you just keep adding water until it thins out to whatever consistency that you like. And I'm telling you guys, it is so goddamn good. Like it is so freaking good. I eat this every single day and it takes me five minutes to cook. As long as I have a protein made, I can just throw it right on top. It is so fast and it will change your life. And it's so nutrient dense and it's so healthy for you. You're getting your proteins, your fats. Oh, also add quinoa in that or rice or whatever you want for your, um, your starch. You can add butternut squash. Oh my God, I'm drooling right now because it sounds literally amazing and I never get sick of it. So that is your meal from the day. And lastly, I want to finish out with a little quote that I read in a bookstore because I am trying to get into like affirmations and talking about positive things like before I go to bed and stuff like that because I think it's just great and it's really cool to like be introspective and think about how you're feeling as a person. And I think this quote really um, goes along with, you know, getting diagnosed with celiac disease and kind of letting go of your past life and moving into the future. And though at times it can be hard to like let go of that past, you know, there's only growth from here on, you know, you know, you never look at um, your past life as something that's better than now. Now you've been diagnosed with celiac disease. Now you can move forward. Now you can heal your body. And I think that this quote really connects to that. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that now for you. Okay. So here it goes. There's a time to search for the past, even to be immersed in it, but there is also a time to let go. This is true of life transforming events, as well as more trivial ones. Letting go does not mean uncontrollable forgetting, but rather a shifting of perspectives. More and more attention is turned toward the here and now or to prospective visions of the future. Once the past recalled has been integrated into the fabric of one's life, attention can be focused on it as needed. Just as the decision to take up the search or to confront any particular memory is a matter of individual readiness, so is the decision to move on. Only the self can decide when the time has come to let go. Becoming more comfortable with who one was and is makes it possible to relax and shift focus. Learning that the past will always be there and that the self is safe from getting lost makes it possible to explore new territory. The reason I talk about this quote is because I've got a lot of people telling me that they can't let go of how they lost part of their old life. They feel like now they're stuck and they can't move forward. So basically what I got from this is recognize your old life. Once you recognize how great your old life was, you need to shift perspectives. You need to be okay with the past and be ready to grow into the future. It's almost as if you need to, you know, close off that part of your life before your diagnosis and now open the new doors to your new life, to learning how to eat gluten-free, to learning to grow as an individual and overcome this diagnosis, to learning how to control your symptoms. So that's what I got from that quote, and I thought that that would be a good way to end out this podcast. And I can also know that all this information can be very overwhelming, so I think that it would be good to take a deep breath at the end of this podcast just to breathe in the positive energy and let out the toxicity in our life. So ready? We're going to breathe in in two, one, two, and breathe it out. And you can do that a couple more times to just breathe in that positive energy and let go of that toxicity. And that is all that I have for you today. And I hope that you learned something from that podcast and that it helped you in some way, shape, or form. And if it did, it would be amazing if you could 
give this podcast a like or if you could give me a follow and please if you are enjoying this podcast please write a review and if you're not you can write a review that you don't like it as well if that's how you feel but (laughs) I hope that you actually like it and I hope that it's helping you because I really enjoy these podcasts I'm actually sitting at my secret spot in my hometown and this is where I film every podcast and I overview the city and I I'm out here in the sunshine and I love it so much so sending positive energy your way sending healing thoughts your way and again if you don't follow me on tiktok you can follow me at eat gluten free with me and on instagram it's at eat dot gluten free with me i love you guys i'll talk to you soon bye